Okay, so we're going to we're going to be um, casting this morning, and so let's see if this works. Hallelujah! Look at this. Whoo! This is incredible. I still I still am absolutely amazed, and um, I I just want to show you how technical I can actually get over here. Okay. If you want me just to, to highlight something, um, I just wanted to point out that I can highlight things too. <laughs> I think this is quite amazing. <laughs> okay. Um, so I want to just start with a scripture. What we're going to do this morning, I'm not, I'm not starting with a topic. The topic that we're going to look at is going to come from the scripture. So let's read together Mark 9 verse 2 to 10. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. The same story in Matthew. This is how Matthew describes this transfiguration. He says, his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Verse 4, and there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Verse 6, I love the side commentary of Mark. He says, he didn't know what to say. They were so frightened. <laughs> I just love that. And I'm, I'm, we're talking about the, the transfiguration of Jesus. And it, the Bible uses this word transfiguration. It literally means transformation. It means a radical change. So this story is quite unique. If you've read the Gospels, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the transfiguration is recorded in the three synoptic Gospels, the first three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They're called synoptic because they're a synopsis. They kind of chronologically tell about Jesus' life on earth culminating in his death and resurrection on the cross. And all in all three stories, very similar, each different author, and two of them actually use this word transfiguration. Which literally, if you could use that word to describe what happens to an insect when it goes into the pupa. You see, you see a, a little worm um, sort of going into this little pupa for you biology students. And inside there is a transfiguration or transformation. Because what comes out of butterfly? I mean, how radical from a fat little worm that most people want to squash to a beautiful butterfly with colorful wings coming out. It's phenomenal. Folks, that's this word, transfiguration, that happened to Jesus over here. And the story is quite unique in the Gospels. It only happened once. It isn't described anywhere else. Jesus did a lot of miraculous stuff. But most of the ministry, all of the ministry, in fact, was he's ministering to others. He's feeding 5,000 over here. He's healing the sick over here. He's healing blind eyes over here. He's casting out a legion of demons here. He's doing a lot of supernatural stuff. But this is something phenomenally supernatural happening to Jesus. He literally, I said to my wife, and, and I know this term, you may not find it funny. He literally started glowing in the dark, except it was midday. He's just like, oh my goodness, what's going on here? 
I was reading, I was, I was reading actually a commentary by Charles Spurgeon, very famous preacher. And he said, he said, I actually don't think that, that what happened in the transfiguration was the greatest miracle. Seeing literally the glory of God radiating out of the being of Jesus. I mean, literally his clothes were, were so white. I mean, the writer didn't know how to describe it. Charles Spurgeon said, he said, I don't believe the greatest miracle is actually seeing the glory of, Je- the glory of God coming out of Jesus. He said the greater miracle is the fact that that glory was hidden from people for three years while he walked the earth, while he died on the cross. He said that's actually the greater miracle. But folks, it's phenomenal. I mean, Jesus just, this radiance. And Peter, I love verse 6, he didn't know what to say. They were so frightened. So, I don't know how many of you are like that. You know, when you're really scared, you start talking. And he's like, oh, good. You know, Jesus, Elijah, let's, let's put up three tents. And, you know, he's like, let's, let's do something. Yeah, okay. Let's just, I don't know what to say. Let's just do something. I'm freaking out right now. Let's put up three tents. And I love the comment. He didn't know what to say. They were so frightened. He actually says it, I think, in Luke as well. He didn't know what to say. He's speaking rubbish, folks. He's like, I love Jesus. I love him firstly. He doesn't rebuke him. Look what happens. Then a cloud appeared. So Jesus is actually glowing in the dark in the middle of the day. His, uh, his face is shining. His clothes are glowing. The glory of God just radiating out of him. Then a cloud appeared and enveloped them. And a voice came from the cloud. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Exclamation mark. I mean, folks, this is, I believe, the climax, the point of this whole exercise, this whole revealing the glory of God in Jesus, revealing that Jesus isn't just 100% man, but he's also 100% God. I mean, I don't think any of us would ever be the same again if we had this kind of experience, seeing literally the glory of God just radiating out of Jesus, just coming out of him. The cloud appears, and Father God from heaven, this voice comes. I mean, how much more supernatural? I mean, hearing a voice from heaven is enough. But here's your your Lord, Jesus, glowing in the dark in the middle of the day. And this voice comes, and he says, This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Folks, I looked in every every, um, every account of this in the three synoptic gospels. In every single one. The conclusion that they write is, listen to him. I do believe those three words is the point of this whole incredible revelation of the glory of God in Jesus, is listen to him. Let's finish the story. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. So suddenly, Elijah and Moses are gone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen, till the Son of Man had risen from the dead, they kept the matter to themselves. I'm telling you, that must have been the hardest thing, to keep this, this to yourself. Oh my goodness. You know, I think I may have just got duct tape and just like put it around my head. I'm telling you, this is phenomenal. I want to die. I just saw the glory of God in Jesus. I mean, you, that must have been quite a thing. I want to, I want to just focus on those, uh, those three words, listen to him, I believe is the sum total and and the point of why Jesus took them to this mountaintop. Why Moses and Elijah. Remember, Moses represents the law. Elijah was one of the greatest prophets, represents the prophets. It's like 
This is the sum total. They represent all the scriptures, what the scriptures have been saying, what the scriptures have been declaring, pointing towards this Messiah, this Christos, this one who would say, what do we do with this, this, this man who glows in the dark? How do we respond? I've seen this glory. What is It's simple. Listen to him. You know what's so interesting? The Father, this voice from heaven says, listen to him. And then right after that, Jesus doesn't actually say anything. He says, listen, don't, don't tell anybody what you've just seen. And they didn't. Okay, they, they, they kept. But that's not going to change the world. Folks, this instruction, listen to him. Listen is a continuous exercise. This exercise of listening to him isn't just, it wasn't just for them on a mountain. This is how we do the Christian life. The Spirit being led by the Spirit. What is it? It's listening to him. Scripture reveals Jesus, Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. Jesus said, when he called his disciples, he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Folks, we don't, there's not a physical Jesus like the disciples had that they can literally follow him. He's, he's walking there. He's going around the corner. We walk there. How do we follow Jesus? Listen to him. In John 10, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Listening to Jesus, folks, is not the prerogative of the Pope or super apostles or prophets. It is the privilege of every single believer. Listen to him. How do you do this incredible supernatural life God has called us to? Listen to Him. Listen to Him. It is so simple. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, it's simple. Listen to Him. Okay. You guys are so good. Listen, even some of our visitors did this. Okay. If you're a regular, you should, you should be okay with us. Okay. Well done, Aretila. <laughs> uh, my daughter brought a friend from school. So, listen to Him. Now, I was just, Lord, this is so simple. You could have just told them any day of the week, you know, guys, listen, sorry, just just listen to me. But do you see, like a high mountain, Elijah and Moses representing the Word of God, Jesus glowing with a glory, radiating with the glory of God, a cloud covering them, a voice coming from heaven saying, by the way, this is my son. I love whom I love. Listen to him. It is these words, folks. Can you see? It is like it's like the Lord. I'm trying to. It's like the Lord is taking these words. Listen to him, and he is finding the biggest, most glamorous, most most glitzy frame you could find to put these words in. It's like these are these are super important words. Listen to him. So how does he do it? They trap to the highest mountain in Israel. We have Moses and Elijah arriving, glory radiating, cloud coming down, a voice from heaven. Listen to him. I mean, can you think of a more dramatic frame to put around these words? Are you guys like, this is quite significant. If we can just get this, listen to him. I really do, be- do believe that this is, this, is, this is how we do this life, is listening to him. Now, I want to say this. We are passionate about equipping people to hear God. We have a whole course, um, you know, hearing God's voice, training people to activate people in the prophetic gifting in particular, and we're going to run it again soon. Hey, Anne. Okay, Anne said amen. So it's coming, okay? We, 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 we do this course where we train and activate people. There are many ways God can speak to you. Uh, the Bible is one of the primary ways. 
God often speaks to me when I listen to people preaching the word. I often I listen to podcasts, listen to sermons, etc. Because I'm hungry to hear God speak to me. But I'm not actually focusing in this message on how God speaks to you. I want to rewind two steps. And I want us to look at this. I want to look at this question. And that is, how do we prepare our heart to listen to Him? Okay. Before we say that, I'm just realizing I've got another slide here. So my message title, if you want to know what it is, it's Listen to Him. And they're the three references in Matthew, Luke, and Mark where these words occur, for those of you who uh, like to get notes. So Jesus said, listen to Him. And the first like logical conclusion, if God says, listen to Him, the first logical conclusion is, well, He wants to speak to me. He wants to speak to me. In um, Psalm 139, Jenny ministered on that a few weeks ago. Verse 15, 16, somewhere there. It says, Countless are the number of your thoughts towards me. God's thoughts towards you, towards you, Josh, towards you, Samke, are countless. That means you cannot count them. That means, you know the Bible says that your number of days on this earth are numbered, but you cannot number his thoughts towards you. That means every day, if we will listen to him, you could get a new thought that your Father in heaven has about you today. You're not going to run out of days because the thoughts are longer than your days on this earth. That is, that's the joy of listening to him. You are not going to, he's not going to run out of things to say because he says in his word, countless are the thoughts that he has towards each one of us individually. And how much more? Imagine if we were so bold as to say, Lord, I don't just want to hear something that you want to say to me. I want to encourage somebody else. Can I tune into one of those thoughts today that you have for some care? And I'm going to share that with an encourager. That's what Samke did for us. She was saying, Lord, I'm hearing you speaking to me. And she did the test. Is this just for me or is this for others? She shared it with Jenny and she brought it here. Wasn't it? Weren't you encouraged by what she shared? She tuned into some of the countless thoughts that Father God has for His people church. Amen? He has thoughts for us as a people. So He wants to speak. The next thing I want to say about this is, I was wondering, Lord, why did you say listen to me? You frame this with such a dramatic, glorious experience on top of a mountaintop. Why listen to me? Why not say dot, dot? And I was thinking quite a few things. I said, why not say obey him? And then, folks, I just realized, folks, in that moment, that was such a God-awing, God-fearing moment to tell the disciples to obey him would have actually been like a no-brainer. That's like, they are like anything you would say we will do. I mean, obedience in that moment is not, there is no other option. I mean, for sure we'll do anything you say. But he says something, he says words that would ring into eternity. He says words that are as relevant to, to us today as it was to three disciples on a mountaintop uh, 2,000 years ago. Listen to him. I want to say this also. It's about relationship. Somebody asked me just recently, they asked me this question. They said, why did God make us? 
Why did he bother creating me? What is my point? Why, why am I here? I mean, do you see the bigness of this question? And you know, my response was, it was interesting. My response was this. I said, God is a father. And a father longs and yearns for children. Not just to carry his name or to inherit whatever. A father yearns for relationship with his children. And Father God is the same. God is a father and he yearns for relationship with you. These words, listen to him, that's relationship, folks. If he'd said obedience, then it's just like a master-servant relationship. And we got the master-servant relationship. I don't have a problem with his God and I'm not. I don't know about you. You know, do you have these God issues where you kind of like, am I God or is God? I have it worked out. He's God and I'm not. So this obeying law, I don't have a problem. I'm blown away by the fact that he says I must listen to him because that's the essence of relationship. Amen? He's not saying you can't talk. The reality is Peter came in with his mouth first. And you know the Lord didn't rebuke him. The Jesus didn't say, shut up Peter. You're just wasting, you're spoiling the moment here. Okay? This is like, he didn't. Literally just the glory cloud came down and the fathers just spoke and said, you know, listen to me. It's about relationship. He created us for relationship. I remember years ago saying, remember, God gave us two ears and one mouth. What does that say about how we must relate to each other? Surely we should do twice the amount of listening as we do speaking. Okay? The call to listen to him is a call to relationship. Amen? So let's go on. And I'm putting this up here. Relax, detach, and listen. Okay? Now, listen, we've just looked at listen. We know listening is something that the Lord wants us to do. He's framed this with this incredible frame. Where am I getting this from? I want to honor Pete Scazzaro. He's written a new book, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. And I was actually listening to a podcast of his recently, where he was speaking about these three words, relax, detach, and listen. This is my inspiration. I want to honor the man. Uh, he's an amazing pastor. And uh, we did some of his courses in 2019. And I just want to honor the source of, of this inspiration. So I love listening. We're not going to look how to listen. Anne's gonna, gonna, we're going to do the course on hearing God's voice. But these two words, relax and detach, I believe are two, two like heart attitude prerequisites to set us up, to get us into the place that we can listen to him. And what do I mean by this? Relax. When I say relax, I'm talking about relaxing in Jesus. And when I say detach, I'm saying detach from this world. And when I say listen, I'm saying listen to Jesus. It's such simple words. I mean, you could say, I got it, I wrote it down in one minute, let's go, okay? I've got my word for the week. But folks, these, these two attitudes of relax and detach are just so amazing. So I was trying to think, Pete, Pete didn't share this, I've got an analogy for you. Relax, detach, and listen. What is this about? And you know what I was thinking? I was thinking, now I, we enjoy hiking. 
Now, when I talk about hiking, I'm not talking about Oak standing next to the side of the road, putting his finger in the road, hoping to get a free lift. Okay, that's not my idea of hiking. We grew up, my wife and I, when we went to university, we studied at the University of Cape Town, okay? And that is right on Table Mountain. And there are many walks all over Table Mountain. When we say hiking, it's walking in nature, in trails, going up the mountain, in valleys, etc. And you're very often taking a backpack. And we would sometimes do trails where you take, you go for like three, four, five days, go hiking. You take a massive backpack. You take your food, your sleeping bag, everything. And you sleep in the bush and you hike and you sleep and you hike. And it's wonderful. And some of you think, I can't think of anything worse on the planet. That's fine. You're not invited. Okay. I take happy hikers with me when we go in the bush. Okay. But we love hiking, love nature, love getting out into nature with a big backpack. But I was thinking of hiking up a massive mountain where you've got a massive bag. Folks, on some of these trails, you're taking a pack that's up to 20 kgs. Now, a 20 kg pack, let me tell you, you know about it. Okay? Um, for ladies, you don't want to pack more than about 15 kgs. That's still a boiky pack for a girlie. Okay? It's serious. But if you want to eat and be comfortable for five days on a five-day trail, that's what you need to take. But I picture myself hiking up this mountain trail with this massive pack, and you tie it. And, 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 and you don't know how far it is. You don't know, you know some of these mountains, it's like you see like a ridge, and you think that's the top, and you get there, and you look, and there's another ridge. And, and you keep going, and you get to that, and, there's an, and it still goes higher and higher. You know, it's these mountains that go like this. But the other thing is, you know, sometimes you're on a trail, and you're like, is this the right trail? Am I on the right trail? Uh, have I gone wrong somewhere? You know, they often fork in the trails, nature trails, these paths in the bush. So you're kind of hiking. It's like, I hope I'm on the right trail. And I was like, these words apply to that situation. Is Sometimes you just need a break. You're tired. You've been hiking for an hour or two, three. We usually take a break after an hour or two. And, and you just want a comfortable place to sit down. Now, you know, sometimes you're in the mountains, there's, oh man, there's just rocks all over. And yeah, you sit down, but you know, your gluteus maximus is knowing about it, okay? So, can you imagine you're hiking this on this trail and suddenly there is the most comfortable, lazy boy, easy boy, chair, couch thing that you can imagine? Are you picturing it? Your most comfortable chair in the world. You're hiking, you've been slogging up this mountain, there it is, okay? And you sit down in this super comfortable chair, couch thing, whatever you're picturing. And you just relax. You relax. Your legs, the weight is off your legs. Your shoulders from your bag are just relaxing, etc. It's like, whoa, this is so amazing. That is the concept of relax in Jesus. And we're going to unpack it more. Detach from this world. Folks, I don't know if you must detach or relax, but... When I want to rest, I want to get this bag off my back. I want to undo. First, you have a hip, hip belt. The theory is with these big backpacks, 80% of the weight is actually in your hip belt. So you have a tight hip belt, so your weight can go into your hips and your legs. And so you undo your hip belt, undo this. You want to detach from your pack, the things of the world. Cast your cares on Jesus because he cares from you, Peter says. So you want to get rid of the weight, our responsibilities, our cares. You want to get rid of it. And you're just sitting in this chair. And in that position of the weight of the world is off your shoulders, you're in the most comfortable chair you can imagine. In that place, it's like, okay, Lord, speak to me. Your servant is listening. Am I on the right trail? Firstly, Lord, 
Okay, you're on the right trail. Okay, Lord, what else do you want to say to me about this trail? Where are we going? How are we doing? Etc. So that's the picture. So relax and detach, and I want to unpack it more. Okay. About relaxing in Jesus. I want to just do this first. Friedrich Bruner said this about relaxing. He said, relaxing in is a good modern translation of trusting in or believing in. I like that. I mean, if you, if you defined trusting God as relaxing in a few years ago, you would have helped me a lot, okay? Because I thought trusting is like this real stressed out thing, you know, where you have this like squint in your face and you're really tense in your body and it's like, it's like hard work to trust God, you know? What are you doing, brother? I'm trusting God. Really, it doesn't look like it, okay? Okay? Oh, how you doing, bro? I'm trusting God. <laughs> okay. Which of those two pictures do you think look more like, I want to do that one, okay? Not the, <laughs> trusting God. Looks like you're trusting in yourself, but you're trusting in your trust or something like that, okay? I like this. Relaxing in is a good modern translation of trusting in or believing in, okay? Peter Cazorra wrote this. He said, we relax by allowing ourselves to be held by him regardless of the storms and circumstances in which we find ourselves. But you know, sometimes a word picture can really help. Imagine yourself in a very comfortable chair. And literally just as you all sitting in chairs now, as far as I can see, you're trusting that chair to take your weight. None of you did a load analysis on the chair before you sat on it and checked the load capacity of the chair. You're just trusting that the design of that chair... Folks, trusting is the same as... As the, as the act you did just now of sitting in that chair. That's what it is. The same attitude you had that this chair is going to take my weight is literally the same attitude we have in trusting God. I want you to take it further. I don't know how comfy you find these chairs. Some of you may find them comfy. Think of a padded, soft, comfortable. I get a picture of it somehow like a round, padded chair. And I'm sitting in there. Trusting you, I'm relaxing in you, I'm surrendering and just giving all to you. There we go. John six. I want to just tell a little bit story around John John chapter six. Because John is an amazing book because John says his purpose of the book of John is that you may believe. And we defining relaxing in God as Trusting or believing, they synonyms, they're similar. And in John 6, Jesus says this, they asked him, what was, must we do to do the works God requires? Big question. You know, resurrect the dead. You know, save a nation. Heal the sick. Preach the gospel to the prisoners. Big stuff, that's part of it. But Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Folks, the other things come out of listening to him. The foundation is, believe in him. Folks, because if you don't believe in him, are you going to listen to him? Or hear, more importantly, what he has to say to you? You see, you need to receive whatever you hear from him by faith. But you need to be in that place of trusting Him with an expectation He's going to speak to you, that there's God speaking to you. And when you get up and you pray for the sick and you resurrect the dead, it is by the same faith that you got the word 
that He wanted you to resurrect the dead, save a nation, preach the gospel, start a business, you know, marry that girl, whatever the faith you have in your heart to do. This is the work of God, to believe in the one He has sent. Now in John 6, I want to just unpack this. It's an incredible portion of Scripture, because Jesus firstly, He feeds 5,000 people, they pick up 12 basketfuls of leftover food from just, you know, five loaves and two fish. Phenomenal miracle. The people are blown away. They're like, whoa. After this, Jesus sends his disciples across the lake. And while they're paddling across the lake, Jesus comes strolling past on the water. Freaks them out, okay? They get to the other side. The crowds realize where's Jesus gone. They look for him. They go around to the other side. They find him. And he starts teaching them. And he says, he's just fed them bread and fish. And he says some radical things. He says, I'm the bread of life. What you saw happening in the physical, physical bread, he said, that was just a symbol to show you that I am the sustenance of what of life. Believe in me, you will have life just as much as eating bread gives you life for a short while. And he went on and he said some radical things. He said, I'm the bread of life. He said, he literally said, eat my flesh. Now, we know he's metaphorically talking, well, if he's bread, what do you do with bread? You eat it. So he's saying, eat my flesh and drink my blood. He's metaphorically, firstly referring to the Lord's Supper, communion, fellowship with him. But more, that by faith, we've got to receive everything that he is. By faith, receive. Just as you eat bread, you put it in your body, you receive it into yourself wholeheartedly to nourish you. You've got to receive Jesus by faith. So he's talking metaphorically. They don't get it. They freak out at these teachings. And verse 60, when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? Verse 61. But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? They were offended that Jesus said, I'm the bread of life, you need, to, you need to eat me, speaking metaphorically. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Verse 67, so Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? Folks, all those crowds couldn't handle his teaching. They offended at his teaching. They want to leave, and they do leave. Jesus just got 12 left. Now, and he's saying, listen guys, do you also want to leave? (laughs) It's like, Jesus, you're trying to build like a worldwide ministry. You're trying to like, you know, disciple the nations here, you know, the kingdom of heaven invading earth. How can you send these people away? Surely Jesus, we're going, oh guys, I'm sorry, I said something a bit harsh. Oh, but please, please, sorry, 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 I didn't mean that, you know. Jesus doesn't. Look what Simon Peter answered. Verse 68, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Peter, I don't believe, could actually understand exactly what Jesus was saying. He was just like, there's life in you. Remember on the mountain, Father said, listen to him. Peter says, you have the words of eternal life. Like, I, I don't understand, but there's life in it. I just got to find the life but I'm not going and turning away from you. Now, why am I saying in this chapter is a massive turning away from Jesus? 
it looks like uh, his ministry is going south. It's not working out. I mean, surely as a rabbi, you're trying to gather followers. You're trying to get people to follow you. Everybody's leaving. He's left just with the twelve, and he's giving them the option of leaving him. Jesus doesn't seem to be stressed about this. You know, by worldly terms, you know, if you lose a couple of key, key clients, you know, some guys who've been, you know, your clients for years, etc. Most of us, we stress about it. Like, oh my goodness, you know, that client's gone, etc. What are we going to do? We've got to relax in Jesus. We've got to relax in God and say, God, I give this to you. Look at, look at what Jesus said on the next slide. These are three verses, all from John 6. At where where his heart was. In this massive of the thing of people just leaving Jesus, what does Jesus do? In verse 37, all those the Father gives me will come to me. Verse 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. So folks, people are leaving him en masse, thousands of people leaving him. And he has this firm conviction. He's relaxing in his father. He's like, my father is in control. Who needs to walk with me will walk with me. And those who need to leave me will leave me. My father is in control. My father is God. He's sovereign. He's the boss. He's got it in control. I'm not going to stress about people leaving. It's amazing. Jesus relaxed in his Father. He believed his Father, despite circumstances. Folks, this story has always been so encouraging to me. We so often go through life where it's like what's happening right now is the opposite to what I thought would happen. Those are the places we need to relax in the Father. He's in control. If he's called you, if you've heard his voice, if you are obeying him, he will be faithful to fulfill his purpose and his plans in your life, despite the outside circumstances. I've got these points. Now, these points, they just rock me, and I'm not actually going to unpack them. I'm going to read them. They're about the two, two screens, maybe about 10 or 12 points. I'm going to read them. Some of them you're going to get. Some of them are going to go over your head. Some of them you're going to say, I need to write that down. Just do what you need to do with these. What I'm giving you is, what does it look like when I'm relaxing in Jesus? Okay? I'm relaxing in Jesus when I am. Enjoying communion with Jesus, even in the midst of disappointments and storms. We only have sweet communion with Jesus when things are going well. It's rocking and rolling. You know, business is rolling in. I'm relaxing in Jesus when I am experiencing a lack of anxiety in my body. How many of you do a body check? You know, I love Pete Cazorra, he says this, he says, your body is not a minor prophet, it's actually a major prophet. You know, in scriptures you have major prophets and minor prophets. Listen to your body. He says, when I come and sit in my comfortable chair to relax in Jesus, you do a body check. Are you tense inside? How many of you, you're, you're some, when you're tense, you can literally feel your gut like tensing up. It's like, you know, if I had to lift my shirt now, you're going to see a six-pack because I'm tense. Okay? <laughs> Figuratively, don't laugh at me. I'm talking a figurative six-pack, okay? Because I'm tense. I'm not tense. There's no six-pack, so I can't show you anything. So, sorry, t- sorry, folks. But 
You know, how many sometimes it's, it's this fidgety stuff with your fingers? It's like, oh, oh, I'm tense. How many of you get the twitch in the eye? You know, it's like, I'm not tense. What makes you think I'm tense? <laughs> I'm just fine, okay? Body language. Are you aware? Now, the awesome thing is if you, if you have a good relation with somebody like marriage or etc., we pick up one another's twitches and body language things. And it's like, it's a, it's a sign. It's like, whoa, okay. Do we need to do some relaxing in Jesus here? I'm relaxing in Jesus when I am not doing for others what they can and should do for themselves. Hey guys, if you're a parent, this is hot. This is hot. Jen, don't laugh right now. Please don't laugh right now. I'm relaxing in Jesus when I'm maintaining my rhythms of being with Jesus in seasons of great pressure. When I'm less and less triggered by things going awry or going wrong. Triggered is when you, you know, when you lose it. You're less and less likely to lose it when things go wrong. When you are present to the beauty and the wonder of those around you. I'm relaxing in Jesus when I'm enjoying a deep sense of knowing I have nothing to gain, nothing to lose. I want only God's will. I'm relaxing in Jesus when I'm experiencing deep contentment in caring for the people God has entrusted to me. Jesus said when he called his disciples, follow me fish for men. Folks, fish for men, they are people. You following Jesus, they are people that God has called you to reach out to. Are you experiencing deep contentment in that, in caring for the people God has entrusted to me? I'm relaxing Jesus when I'm receiving God's gift of limits rather than fighting, ignoring, denying the gift of limits. Some of you, that's a huge topic. I could speak for days on that. If it goes over your head, it's fine. Scratch there. Ask Jesus to show you what that is. I'm relaxing in Jesus when I'm discerning and embracing the season in which God has placed me. You know, so often, we're in a winter season, we want it to be summer. We're in a spring and we want it to be an autumn, or vice versa. Are you relaxing because you can discern and embrace the season which God has placed you. So we've looked at relaxing. I just want to look at detach. It's very easy to understand. Detach from this world. What are we talking about? Let's read 1 Corinthians 7 verse 31 to 32. We are to live as those who live in the world system but are not absorbed by it. For the world as we know it is quickly passing away. Because of this, we need to live as free from anxiety as possible. That's the passion for you. Mark 8.36 puts it this way. What use is it to gain all the wealth and power of this world with everything that it could offer you at the cost of 
detaching from the world. That's the picture I had of taking that massive backpack off. Cast your cares on Jesus, Peter says, for he cares for you. You know, the reality is God gives us responsibilities. You know, I can never walk away from my responsibility as a husband, as a father. But sometimes that responsibility weighs heavy on my shoulders. But I can give it to Jesus. I can relax in His presence for a while. Get refreshed. Listen to Him. Confirm that we're on the right track. And then after a time of refreshing and resting and listening, yet I put the pack back on and keep, keep going. I'm not going to take off my backpack of being a father or a husband. If we don't have times to rest, eventually it gets to the point where I don't want this anymore and we do want to throw it away. And lives get smashed. How many, I won't ask for a show of hands, how many of you have, have had a parent that has thrown away the backpack of that responsibility? It's devastating for, on the, in the life of a child. Let's detach in a healthy way with Jesus. Detached from this world, Meister Eckhart, he was a well-known German theologian, he said this, to be empty of all created things is to be full of God. And to be full of created things is to be empty of God. It's like they're mutually exclusive. What are we talking about? Surrendering to His will. That's what it is. Detaching from this world is surrendering to His will. And again, these are three points that, uh, and I just love it, and I, I just want to honor Pete Cazera again. What does it mean to be detached from this world? We are open to the unfolding of events and circumstances in our life, accepting everything, not attaching to any earthly experience or goal. Trusting God is orchestrating all things for our good, for His glory, and for the good of the world. Thirdly, secondly, we set goals and direction for our lives and ministry, yet release attachment to any particular outcome. Are we okay? We make goals, we plan, we do strategic planning, there's nothing wrong with that, but we leave the outcome with God. We are absolutely are working towards our goal, but hey, if we don't reach it, we don't lose our faith or our sanctification. We engage in active service to Jesus with a passionate yet detached activism. Have you ever heard the word detached activism? Pastor Gareth, my pastor in Cape Town, when he was sent here, he said, I hold my leadership responsibility lightly. I was like, hold lightly. Those are nearly opposite. He's like, I'm in this leadership role right now, 100%. If God says, let go, I let go. That's what detachment is. Literally, uh, I mean, the picture I get of, and, I, and I, I used this a little while ago, and some people said, what do you mean? You know when you're holding on really tight, and you get white knuckles, you know, and I'm holding tight, I don't know if you can see, my knuckles are going white. And somebody I was speaking to who doesn't have pale skin like me said, what do you mean your knuckles go white? I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, I'm sorry. I, I didn't, I didn't. Are you okay to let go? Detached activism. The Lord says, season's changing, son. 
you're okay with that. Recognizing we cannot manipulate or predict what he wants to do. Thirdly, we are prayerful. Not to get what we want. Gimme, gimme, gimme. My name is Jimmy. But to surrender our will to God's will. Recognizing that unhealthy attachments are a reflection of our core spiritual problem. Self-will. <laughs> Self-will. I want this. I will do this. I will get this. I will go there. Core spiritual problem. Self-will. The way it comes down to and so I'm just highlighting. We've highlighted and, and it says, why do we listen to him? How do we listen to him? The environment that I'm saying that we need to cultivate in our lives is a place where we relax. We're sitting in that chair. We're trusting in Him. We're believing in Him. We're relaxing. We detach. We take the backpack off. We put it next to us. We say, here it is, Lord. I'm not picking that backpack up unless you want me to carry it. Okay? And don't come to me and say, God told me to divorce my wife. Okay? I'm not going to be <laughs> saying any amens to that. Okay? With some backpacks, it's like, God, help me with this. I'm not giving it away. I will pick it up. But Lord, right now, just I need some strength. Relax, detach, and listen. Remember what Jesus said, the Father said in Mark 9-7, on top of the Mount of Transfiguration. Then a cloud appeared and enveloped him. And a voice came from the cloud. This is my Son, whom I love. Listen to him. I just want to pray for every one of us here. Lord, this, this incredible call to listen to you was framed in such a glorious, glamorous, spectacular way. On top of a high mountain in Israel 2,000 years ago, we literally the glory of God radiated from it. cloud of glory came down. Father spoke. These words, listen to him. God, we see it. Lord, we believe it. Lord, we want to live it. Listening to you isn't something we do once or twice in our life, Lord. God, forgive us if we've stopped listening. Due to maybe offense or cynicism or disappointment or bitterness or hurt. Lord, those things damage our souls. We recognize that. You said in Psalm 23, Lord, you restore our souls. You restore our souls. So Lord, I pray, heal our souls so that we can come and we can relax in you. God, give us the grace to detach from the things of the world. Lord, in particular, that you are not wanting us to carry. The worries, the anxieties that you are not wanting us to carry. God, give us the grace to take that backpack off. And sometimes, Lord, not put it back on. There's some backpacks you don't want us to put back on. You want us to leave them with you. God, show us what that looks like. But God, the, the ultimate is, Lord, we want to listen to you. We want to come into that place. We want to relax in you. We want to detach so we can listen to you. And God, I pray, speak. 
Lord, speak in Jesus' name. I pray for spiritual ears to open. I pray for spiritual eyes to open. I pray for hearts to open. I pray for the, the, the hearts, for a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Lord, in Ephesians, it speaks about a spirit of wisdom and revelation in our hearts that we may be able to listen what you are saying to us, Lord. Whether you're speaking through people through sermons, through your word, through worship, Lord, through angels, through dreams, through visions, Lord. Lord, however you want to speak, Lord. You say, all, all avenues are open, Lord. May we be people who listen to you, Jesus. May we walk in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, because we are, being, we are listening to the Spirit of Christ in us. May that be our testimony, Lord. That we are those who hear their God. In Jesus' name, Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit our website at www.hispeoplepmb.co.za And for more of our messages, visit our YouTube and SoundCloud channels as well as other podcast platforms. If you would like to contact us, please email us at hispeoplepmb at gmail.com or send a message to 061-452-0877. To join us for in-person services, visit us at 154 Burkett Road, Scottsville, Peter Maritzburg. We hope to see you soon. God bless you.